You're listening to the Short Shift Podcast, proud member of the Black and Gold Podcast Network. You can support the show by leaving a comment and five-star rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Player FM, Google Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Cynically acclaimed, incredibly online. And now your hosts, Thomas Nystrom, Andrew Johnson, and Ian Bonner. Enjoy the show. participate in a lot of NHL rivalries and he's in one here so um, no there's always more I mean yes it's one of 82 tomorrow uh, we got our two points we came back to win we stuck with it but it's still the Montreal Canadiens and, and we want to beat them every time we stuck with this and you know, that's the attitude we need to have around here. Hi folks another episode of the Short Shift Podcast Andrew I believe uh, is wearing white cowboy boots and strolling down Broadway in Nashville with a sash on him that says bride to be or whatever the fuck he's down there for. It's actually all he's wearing. He's wearing nothing but (laughs) white cowboy boots. He looks great though. He looks real good. He does. He does. Uh, Yeah, but Andrew won't be joining us this week. We gave him a week off. So we are using this opportunity to bring in a fellow B&G podcaster. We've got Mr. Kevin O'Keefe from the Beehive Podcast. Kevin, what's up, dude? Not much, man. I appreciate you guys bringing me on. Um, I've loved everything you guys have been doing for a while, and it's great to finally get on here and chat some hockey with you guys. Absolutely. And Ian, um, I guess I'll ask how you're doing. I know you had a big week. Yeah, I did. I'm just I'm living in a house of boxes right now. We're slowly, <laughs> slowly bringing things out and actually building a home for ourselves. But uh, I'm not exhausted. I'm super ready to do this. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff happened this week, man two hours before we started to talk about recording tonight. It looks like the Fenway group are buying the fucking penguins. I know that's not on our itinerary, but I got to get your immediate reactions, man. I saw a number of terrible, terrible tweets. Uh, I made the mistake of looking at Mark from black and gold podcast. I looked at his Facebook and there were some stupid ass comments in there. Mark, I don't know how the fuck you do it, man. Somebody saying like, are they going to move the penguins here? How is that going to work? Like, <laughs> I don't know how Mark, I don't know how Mark deals oh, with the man. Bruins Facebook stuff, man. I just don't, but what's your, what's your reactions, man? Uh, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's what they're putting in a, a steak or something like that. It's kind of just like uh, they're just, putting some money in and trying to make some money out of it. Nothing really, it doesn't really do anything for anyone. It's just for them. It it has no type of anything towards us as fans. It it is what it is. I really don't have much of a reaction. I'm so glad that's your statement. That's exactly right. It doesn't mean a damn thing. Uh, Mario is supposed to stay on involved in that, in that grouping, I guess, but 
nothing's going to change. We're not going to suddenly get to take all of the Penguins draft picks. People seem to think people seem to think this is going to be like 1926 when one guy owned three teams or whatever it was. Like mm-hmm. we're there's no changes here. It's funny. It's fun. It doesn't actually matter. I just some of the comments are like, "Well, why aren't they trying to buy the Bruins?" First of all, as much as I would love Jacobs to sell the fucking team to somebody, it's not really a great thing to own all the teams in one town. You know what I mean? Like it's, that's not ideal, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the, what the level of stake that they're buying, uh, whether it's majority, I would assume that they're probably gunning for that. It's, it's a good ownership group. They've done very well for us for, as Red Sox fans, they've done very well for Liverpool fans. I think I put in the text earlier, like, I wish it was Columbus or I wish it was Minnesota, like a team that didn't fucking matter. So it was just like, this would be a complete non-issue. Obviously, a lot of Bruins fans don't like the Penguins. So there's like some weirdness of it. And and that's literally all it is. It's our own fandom getting in the way of what what is actually just a business transaction. It's dumb. I bet, yeah. I bet if you looked up how many tweets today were Crosby to the Bruins confirmed, so you would dumb. find uh, you would find thousands. Or the ones talking about joke. LeBron. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, oh, is LeBron making the picks for the Penguins now? Like <laughs> that. <laughs> however, like I would love to see him get involved in the day-to-day oh, yeah. operations for the Penguins. Oh God. Go fuck up that franchise, buddy. <laughs> Someone needs to. Why are they still competitive? Please leave us alone. That team, <laughs> everyone's hurt. Everyone's injured. And I know they've had some troubles in certain games this year, but they keep winning. They keep being involved. And in that. that Metro is ridiculous right now. I don't want mm. the Penguins in the, the playoffs anymore. I'm done with them. <sighs> well, we had a big week. And honestly, I don't think it was a bad week whatsoever. We won two games. And... We hung in for two out of the three periods against the Oilers. So I don't have a lot to complain about other than the third period in the Oiler game. But what what were some of your notes, Ian, from from the game against McDavid? Uh, McDavid's really fucking good, and I can't believe he doesn't get more nationally televised time. That guy is... You can see highlights all day, but until you watch him through a full game... And I'm guilty of this. I don't watch enough Oilers. I'm going to watch way more because, holy shit, that guy's insane. I will say Forbort and McAvoy, who would pair it against him for the most of the game, actually held it together. They allowed a lot of shot attempts, well, for most of the game. But Forbort played the McDavid line really well, which was think, shocking to me. I think McDavid only had four shots on goal. Might have been five. I think you're right. He walked away with just one assist. <laughs> only you know, the, only yeah, five exactly. shots on no, goal. No, but if you think about it, man, like this is the most dynamic player in the NHL. Oh, by period. Far. Period. Oh. Maybe like you can make the argument forever, but I was going to try. Yeah, I really he's, was. He's still got years and years ahead of him. He he may end up being the best ever player. Like he's that fucking good. It's crazy. But we held him to just an apple. That's that's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. But we held our own. We were in that game two periods in. That third period fell apart, and it kind of comes back to. It seems like every week for the last couple of weeks, I've been calling out a player. And then they do something good. Mm-hmm. Last week on the podcast, I said something really nice about Brandon Carlo. And the dude shit the bed in the third period. And I'm, I'm going to put that on me. Not not an ideal game for him when it comes to just the third period. He had a goal in the second. That's great. Mm-hmm. But, man, I don't want to put the game completely on him. But that was a piss poor effort in the third. Yeah, I mean, the defense as a whole 
really needs to be held accountable for. I mean, of course, you can look at McAvoy and say, okay, you're fine. Um, Grizzlick, you know, maybe two. But as far as the rest of them go, they need to figure it out. Fulber's been actually good lately, which is really interesting. I'm actually happy about that, but I still don't want him on the top pairing. Yeah. Um, yes, that's we just all something agree that. I still don't want to see. Um, maybe in certain situations, like a situational thing. Okay, sure. Um, but yeah, Carlo needs to get his game back. Um, he's making bad decisions. One that stuck out to me, I forget exactly which game it was in, but he tried to go D to D, but he was all the way on the far right wing while his defensive pairing was all the way on the far left. And it was completely red and just led to a, uh, I'm pretty sure it led to a breakaway, but it, mm-hmm. it was, it was, I believe that was the devil's game. I believe that was the devil's yep. game. I think you're and- right. Yep. It was a brutal, especially after the game with the Oilers where he had, look, it got off his stick. Like, we get it. It sucks that Dreisaitl was the one in the slot to collect it. Mm. But that's this thing where you shake your head and go, I fucked up, but hey, I'm the big defensive defenseman. I messed up. Let me get back to my game. And since that moment, some people said he recovered in the Habs game. I didn't really see it that way. He has not been the same and going into the Devils game that was within the first six minutes was, I remember that play, actually. It was really early in the game, and he gave up that breakaway, and I just went, buddy, that's the exact opposite of what you needed. Simple plays. Get your head straight. And he's, I don't know what's going on with him. If this team, I know we say it goes by McAvoy, it goes by Bergeron, that top line. A guy like Carlo plays dividends if he's playing well. We, we really need him to to hone in on, on his process. I don't need big things from him. The goal's great, but I need good defense from Carlo, nothing else. Yeah, we saw that in the Islanders series. You know, when he went down, the entire series changed. Yeah. Barzal went hot, yeah. just like that. Yeah. But when he was in there playing his very good defensive structured game, it was, I wouldn't say a wash, but it gave us a lot better chance of winning every night. And it's he was, too because he the did he get injured the series before or was it right at the end of the regular season? I, I want to say it was the final oh oh before that. Um he was out for the Wilson hit. Mm-hmm. And then I think he was out for something minor for yeah. a little bit after that. And the one that knocked him out of the Islander series looked kind of like nothing. And that's the crazy and scary thing about head injuries. It didn't mm-hmm. look like anything, but he was clearly rattled and that was the end. Sucked. That changed the entire that changed the postseason. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because now he's throwing the body around a lot more this year, which is great to see. Mm-hmm. And I kind of get scared thinking to myself, is that going to trigger something? Right. And uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to, which is great. Maybe it was just too soon after the Wilson whole, the whole Wilson thing that he got that hit. And then he was, you know, it kind of just triggered it real quick. But I think there's been enough time in between there where he's had time to heal and do his thing. Like look at Andre Kasha. That's the perfect, you know, example of somebody who can go through a hell of a lot and come back and play healthy and, you know, look pretty good. So love seeing that he played on the top line for a game, which was really neat to see. Uh, Kasha did. Uh, Carlo did take a hit in that, that Oilers game, full mm-hmm. numbers by Hyman got full plowed into the boards. No call on the play that we can complain about that. If we want, I don't, it's far past. He hasn't looked the same since that hit. And I don't want to speculate on someone's head injury. Obviously he wouldn't be playing. We have a lot of spotters for this. It's early in the season. There's no way something shady is going on to keep him in the game, but 
maybe he's getting a little nervous. Maybe he's thinking about that injury. I was just about to say, it was like, it doesn't necessarily have to be an injury. It could also be between the years from a mental standpoint. Yep. Luckily our coaching staff is solid. I assume they will get, get that straightened out. I really do believe that. Uh, But Carlo is a big part of this team and there's people who don't like him for the wrong reasons. And I just don't get it. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty much Facebook is filled with Carlo is soft. Carlo is this Carlo doesn't hit Carlo doesn't do that. Well, the guy is probably one of the most defensively sound players on your team outside of McAvoy on that defense. So yeah, he crushed Ovechkin last year in five games. Yeah. Oh yeah. He crushed Ovechkin. That whole side was every time Ovechkin was on the ice, Carlo came out there. That side was a non-factor the whole series, and that was Carlos doing. He blocked a ton of shots. Ah, God. Anyway, I'm, I'm going on a Carlo rant now. <laughs> but I just—he's one of my most appreciated guys because he's one of those ones where if I don't hear your name, I'm so happy. Like mm-hmm. you just did your job, and and I love that on the defensive end. Yep, and that's similar to full board. You know, they mm-hmm. say if you're not being uh, noticed much, it means you're having a pretty good game. So. And I haven't been noticing him much. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. Try not to look at him sometimes, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, speaking of looks, this is super off topic, but Brad Marchand said Kuhlman uh, uh, was better looking than him. Kuhlman mm. is the ugliest human being on this planet. What are we talking about right now? Marchand is building confidence. Yeah, I, I feel like that was almost an insult by compliment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I believe it was Andrew that I told that he looked like sloth. Yes. Cool. Yeah. looks like sloth from yeah. uh, Ice Age. I it's think that's his name. Scary. I forget what his name is from Ice Age. Whatever his uh, name Sid, is. Sid the Sid. Sid the sloth. There you go. I was thinking oh, of that yeah. guy from the Goonies for a second. Oh, yeah. Which, oh, also, a little. which <laughs> also would work. <laughs> I think it's a little more insulting. Yeah. It takes it to another level. <laughs> but I like Kuhlman's game. Yes. Um, I, I love what he's been doing. I really do. Um, he He's all over the puck. His forecheck is great. He's creating chances he's hitting the the net with his shot which is great because he hasn't always been the greatest at that um so as of right now i'd like to see him continue to get some opportunities i feel like our depth is being tested a little bit right now uh in a weird way because riley is getting benched for just poor play uh which he's got to get back in here eventually he is making a little chunk of money but I think it was the right choice. I, I clearly, it definitely woke up the team a little bit. And then our bottom six, I mean, there's just been injuries. Smith with maintenance, Frederick on the IR. I like what I've seen from our other guys jumping in. I think there's some really good internal competition going on with this team early in a season. And that's a good time to have it. Everyone's engaged. And this team, I guess you could say is underperforming, but eight and five to start. I think most of us are comfortable with that with all the new pieces, right? Yeah. And with games in hand, I think, you know, that's definitely something good to look at. I mean, right now, if you were to win your games in hand, I believe that puts you in, I want to say third or second in the division. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So that's not too bad. One of the things that really bothered me about this Oilers game and after the weekend, I feel better about it, but it felt like a winnable game wasted, which is fine. Right. It's it happens. But a statement game against a really good team, because I, the only really good win we have so far is against the Panthers in a shootout, in my book, I guess. 
But this was an opportunity to be like, hey, we're still the Bruins. Like, we're, we're not off the cliff yet. We're still the Bruins. And then we just let it go away in the third for dumb mistakes that we made, not even being outplayed, just throwing the puck away in the slot and allowing goals. It was a really, really wasted opportunity to really make a statement to the league, I feel like. Absolutely. Um, you know, in defensive breakdowns in that third period, definitely did not help. It was just awful. Uh, it's um, it's one of those games that you just want to kind of bash your head against the wall. And for you, I guess, rearrange every jersey in your room for yes. the entire night. <laughs> yes, that's that did happen. I took, <laughs> I I took literally all of them off the wall and stared at the wall for like 20 minutes. <laughs> just like, Christ. hold on. Let me think of this. My girlfriend comes by. She's like, what are you doing? I'm figuring it out. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> I have a problem. It's That's fine. Okay. It's it's okay. It, we all have problems when it comes to what we do for the Bruins. I mean, everyone's got their something, right? Yeah. We did win the games I wanted to, though, out of this slate of three. Now, the Oilers, I wanted that win. But the Devils kicked our ass last year for some weird reason. And the Habs are the Habs. And we crushed both those teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thomas, you were the one who predicted a loss to the Devils. Yep. What are your thoughts on that one? That well, I mean, that was solely based on like you just said. We could not go to Newark last year and fucking play a solid sixty-minute game. We're still not really playing sixty-minute games, but that's a whole other topic. But the Bruins match up really well against them. They took advantage of what they needed to. Marshy is Marshy's the best, dude. Like when he's on the ice, you just assume that we're going to score. Like, you just assume it. Or at least you're going to see a good fucking opportunity for it. Pasta had the two assists in the game. He's, I don't know. Do you guys think he's starting to turn the corner? It doesn't feel like he is. He feels, I'm, I'm so uneasy about watching his game. And that included even when he has two assists. I, it's a tough one because I see him doing the right things away from the scoring as well. Like, he's hitting. Mm-hmm. That's that's weird, you know. Like Pasta is usually the guy who can't even stay on his skates, and now he's just this guy who's out muscling people, and that's that's good to see. I mean, it's not all the time, of course. His game definitely needs some work. I'm not really sure what it is exactly to pinpoint. It, it's weird. I don't know. So if I could step in with this, uh, Pasta in his entire career to me has been a player that you look at and go, Jesus, you are wasting so many opportunities. And then it's 20 games in and you look at the stats and you're like, oh, you have 22 points in 22 games. <laughs> He's always yeah. been that guy where you just go, last year, all year, I was like, man, Pasta just isn't right. What He had what? He missed a few games, so 46 and 46, something like that. Yep. Like he's a point per game player, even when he looks weird. He's like a... He's like the the Jackie Chan drunken fist fighter. Like you look awkward and weird and you're jumping around and doing all this weird stuff, but the results are still there, even if it doesn't look like it. I think pasta is getting back to where he needs to be, I guess is a long way to say that. I, mm-hmm. I want to say, I think, I think the reason why we think that I, you're not alone. I think the same thing, you know, I see he's a point per game player, but yet what's wrong with him? You know, that's what's going on in my mind. And it comes back to that season where he won the Rocket Richard and he had what 95 points, was it, or something like that? He probably he probably would have hit a hundred points if the season didn't get cut. He definitely would have had more than 50 goals. And you look at that season, you go, okay, that's who that player is. But is he? 
maybe that was just a, you know, like a Taylor Hall year. Is he just a point per game, maybe a little bit more type of player moving forward? We don't know. The skill set is is above a point per game player. For sure. In my opinion. I think like what you're seeing right now. But the problem is when, when pasta goes cold, that sounds so fucking stupid. I don't even mean to be a like to have a party. <laughs> but when when the pasta goes cold, it's just he goes cold for a while. And he and he can't get himself back out of that funk. I know he had one of the most ridiculous traumatic just just awful off seasons on a personal level yeah mm-hmm. maybe that has something to do with him just his head's not on right but we've also seen him kind of go through these funks last year last year he went through a really brutal one and then kind of seemed to have kicked it or broken through a little bit right right around the playoffs getting getting started but uh, he's so creative with the puck he's such a fucking dynamic shooter those little one-timers those little feeds that he always seems to get on the opposite side of the goalie, like stay away from the action and somehow he's left alone. You haven't seen that really this year. Mm-hmm. And yes. Ian, you said on the pod last week, I don't care if he misses the net a hundred times in the next three weeks, just fucking rip one. Yes. And, and he keeps the other, passing. Yeah. The other night in the Habs game, there was, it's just too many fucking passes. And he does the pass this. on the two on none to it Marshy. Was awful, oh, dude. Jesus. Just honestly, Marshy was in a perfect spot. If if you just keep that puck low, put it off the pads. Like yeah. try to go five on him. It bounces off the pads. Marshy has a fat rebound. Yeah. Two shots yep. on goal in half a second. On a bad goalie, by the way. On, on a, a bad, bad goalie. goalie. Yeah. Right. Who Ugh. who we managed to make look kind of decent for most of the game for, oh, for 46 minutes yeah. and then uh, <laughs> he still brutal, finished bro. that game with a higher save percentage than his career average yeah. wow <laughs> he's finished wow. it with a 900 his career is an 891 so that's crazy. a stat. he made the most saves of his career that game with 36 i'm glad that wow. they're doing those type of sh- fucking things against the Bruins. It's great. Good for you, Montembeau, or whatever the fuck your <laughs> name is. I'll tell you one thing with Pasenak, though. If he continues this play moving towards his next contract, it's going to save us some money, and then hopefully he turns it back on and is just like, oh, just kidding. Yeah, Here I am. And we save a little bit of money. I'm <laughs> somehow so worst case, that. and yeah, and that's that's somehow worst case and best case. Isn't next year his ones. last year on his contract? I think it is. Yeah, after next year, next year is, year. yes. Okay, yep. so it wouldn't be. Yeah, it would suck. Trust me, I don't want that to happen. But I'm saying, if it does, there's a little tiny bit of a silver lining in the yeah. money department. You're Mr. Contract Guy. You're always eyeing that money. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're looking at that cap yeah. space. You're jealous of Arizona with all that, all those picks and cap space. Uh, I think everybody should be jealous of that. It's oh my god. Yeah. Also, of the one in fifteen record or whatever the fuck that is. Uh, but man. are they going to be able to use it correctly? That's the that's the whole thing. Isn't yeah. that sad? Isn't it yeah. hard to watch where you just go, guys? I love that you collected all this. It looks like your management's doing the right thing. You had one good year outside of that. You've been rebuilding for like ten. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. do you have any faith in this at all? It's weird. And it's not like the players they're getting are bad players. I just don't know what it is. Sometimes like, an organization is just a bad organization. You don't yeah. have the right people in place and you're just not doing the right thing. And the owner is not, you know, putting the right people in the right place. It's just bad. Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. Buffalo I mean. looks like they might. This coach has a team at least. That's true. Which is a huge step up from whatever they've had since Miller. So, mm-hmm. you know. Not to bring up Miller and Lucic. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I got to stop shitting on Buffalo fans, man. It's mean. 
I mean, Buffalo is going to continue to come up just because of Andrew's terrible bet. It's so bad. So if there is one person who's jealous of the uh, Arizona record right now, it's probably Andrew <laughs> because I think he wishes right. he could apply. Yeah, I think he. I don't know if he did. He text us or tweeted at a tweet at us about can I change my bets? No, dude, you have to fucking no. sit in this. Yeah, you've uh, made six, your bet. Six wins Lie now. Yeah. Six wins, and they're playing again tonight. Uh, I, I'm going to say it right now, seven, I believe. Yeah, yeah, they're up to a zero on Pittsburgh. Oh yeah! <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, the, Andrew. Oh, the Boston Penguins are going to lose to him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Oh, oh no! Oh so no! One of the uh, one of the things that was really interesting to see, and definitely something that Andrew would would be talking about if he was here. Uh, Steen, Steen looked pretty good, man. Steen looks like he belongs. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. not, he's not this dynamic player or whatever, but earlier in the season, we were talking about him. The dude just steps in and he fills the role. He does exactly what you ask of him. He was in on a lot of plays, not being crazy creative or anything like that, but like giving us opportunities for, for his position in that lineup, for him to just produce at all. I'm happy about, I think he ended up with an assist. In one of the games, which one was it? I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, I want to say it was on. Was it Coyle's goal or DeBrus goal? I know it was for the it was for the Habs game that yep. he was in there. Mm-hmm. So it, actually, it was either McAvoy or Charlie Coyle. Yeah, so, so it would have to been. I think uh, it was Charlie Coyle. Coyle. Yeah, but yeah, like he's he's one of the players that you see in Providence. I don't know how much you guys are able to catch on AHL TV and catch the games or whatever, but he's one of the guys that constantly stands out to me for his hustle, his motor, his willingness to go into deep plays. He's, he can hang dude. And I want to see more of them. The the problem is obviously we're having some injury issues and that's why we're seeing him. But what, what do you guys think of his game? Because honestly, I don't, I don't see any reason other than injuries that he's going to be up, but I, I want to see more of them. Um, I, I, he's a hard worker. He busts his ass. That's what he does. Um, and like you said, he's like a chameleon. He can just take over whichever role you want him to play and do it effectively. Um, I haven't been able to really watch much of him in Providence. Um, I don't have the AHL TV or anything like that. Um, but from what I hear and then from what I saw with him up with the big club, yeah, he's, he looks like he should stick. Uh, will he? I don't know because, you know, people, you know, Smith's got to come back. Um, but here's my question. Well, actually, I want to hear what Ian has to say about him first, and then I'll, I'll pose it afterwards. Well, I also have a question. Oh, oh <laughs> I gotta, okay. I, but I have a question specifically for Thomas because he watches more Providence than mm-hmm. I do. Uh, so Steen loved the game, but I think we all have loved what we've seen and think he remains in the bottom six. Uh, I mean, he's done more than Freddie has. And I know Freddie's on IR right now, but I would not take Steen out right now. Answered my question. Okay, there's that. Yep. Uh, he played 11:31 against the Habs. Fourth line minutes. I get that. He is a bucket emptier, and it feels like late in the third, last 12 minutes of the game, it feels like he is no longer able to keep up with his normal pace. Something I've noticed is it tends to slow down for him. Is that a stamina issue or am I seeing something different? Because in Providence, he plays what top six minutes and crushes it the whole game. It's like, I, I haven't seen him in Providence. So I'm asking Thomas, I, I just haven't seen enough. 
his role in Providence is a little bit different. Very similar player, obviously, because you're you're not going to take that out of his game. He's a grinder. But the thing is, when he's on the fourth line for the Boston Bruins playing against bigger bodies, bigger minutes, more more adrenaline going, he's grinding out those possessions. And, and I think he might be wearing himself out. So I would probably lean more towards stamina. Okay. Uh, but you got to also remember, at the end of these games, these games matter a lot more than Providence games. For yes. both, both sides. Both sides of the ice. So... Close games, especially a rivalry game against the Habs, it's not like people are taking shifts off. They ain't just fucking skating circles, you know? So if he's out there for a 40-second shift, 50-second shift, or gets caught out there a little bit longer, he's going to empty the tank. He's going to do it. That's just that's the nature of his fucking game. Maybe he's not built for those type of minutes against these this level of play. That would that would be my best guess. I don't think it's I don't think it's an issue where he's not conditioned enough. To do it, I think the game is just—he's in a different role. Sure, twelve so he's, minutes he's of steam. That That's like a second-line player for twelve yeah. minutes. I'll take him. Mm-hmm. Like, if so far he's been really impressive. And yeah, so Kevin, your question was: Freddie comes back. Who? What do you do? Uh, we have enough centers. I, I think I, I liked Freddie's game defensively so far. Mm-hmm. Steen offers a four-check better than shit almost everyone yeah. on the Bruins. Marshy's forecheck is the best in the game by yeah. far, by far. Uh, but Steen is a level below that. I That's can't believe how many he gets in on. Yeah. Yeah. He does his job effectively. I mean, as a fourth liner, what do you want him to do? You want him to create energy and you want to keep, you want him to keep that puck hemmed into the offensive zone. That's what you want. That's right. And that's what he does. What more can you ask? Yep. Yeah. And I, I'm really kind of sick of people going, oh, well, the bottom six, where's the points? Where's the points? And yeah, I get it. I get that. And we do need a little bit of scoring down there. But if we're going to talk specifically about fourth line guys, all I want is for, oh, well, best case scenario, let's put you up against a first line team, like the first line of the team. And just as long as you don't get scored on and you can keep the pressure, go on the other way, get pucks deep, hit them hard. I don't care if the fourth line never scores a fucking goal. If they can eliminate first or second lines consistently, consistently at, let the production line do their job. Yeah, I'm, Steen is exactly that guy. You hit the nail on the head, and and that's what the Islanders had in their fourth line last season, yep. and that's what they did to you. Yeah, and that's exactly what you need to be doing to these other teams. And if you can find some type of concoction throughout Providence and the Bruins lineup, and just make this absolutely killer line that is going to do exactly what you said, shut down either the first or second line or whichever line it may be, you're winning at that point. The 2018 cup run, that was Achari. That was Corrali. That was Wags. Yeah. That fourth line was brilliant. Achari even put a couple goals in, but damn, that fourth line, every time they went on the ice, you were like, I'm confident. And then you have that kind of confidence anyway. right yeah. and then your third line was throughout the playoffs your second best line yeah you know and that's something that you definitely want to see as well i mean obviously you want your second line to be producing better than your third line but when you have the production line that's okay yeah if we have two lines scoring i'm pretty comfortable as long as mm-hmm. the other two aren't fucking letting everything go by them yeah. right so one of the things that I definitely wanted to talk about today, we touched on a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the goaltending has been uh, definitely a hot topic 
they're not playing bad. They're not playing great. They're kind of somewhere in between. I think I still think a lot of it has to do with the defense that's been in front of them. But uh, these goalies are getting hung out to dry, and they're getting criticized for it. And it's it's just something that this fan base does. I I honestly don't think that the Bruins fan base deserves goaltenders like at all. Oh yeah, <laughs> like the way the way that we fucking treat these guys is just absolutely embarrassing. But you have to clear the puck when it's just sitting in front of the net, and they let it happen a couple of times again in the last couple of games. You have to let Olmark reset. If he's just getting obliterated in the front of the net, he, what did he give up the other night? Five goals against Five, the Oilers? Uh, Oilers, yeah. He didn't play great. He needed to play better, but he was playing against a really good team, and again, the defense was not helping him in any fucking way. I got to ask you guys, how did we feel about two straight starts back-to-back for the kid? I It worked out, and we're going to talk about Bruce's decision-making in a minute because that's my next go-to. But I really, really did not like back-to-back. He could have had, he could have had 60 saves against the Habs. And I still would have looked at Bruce and been like, oh, you want to get fucked up, man. You want to get fucked up. You're killing your kid in here. What do you, okay. Here's my problem. Here's my actual problem because I know there's information coming out and Sway likes to go back to back. Like he, he's on record saying that he did it in college. I don't give a fuck. This is the professional national hockey league. You are inviting. We have two goalies. We have two goalies. We don't have three goalies. We have two goalies. You are inviting an injury, the flexibility, the speed, the movement you need and I know Sway's not the most athletic guy. I know, but he still has to have certain explosiveness in the position. You're looking, you're looking for an injury by going back to back that quick. I, I just, I, I will never like a goalie in the modern game going back to back like that. It just, it will never happen. And I'll be like, great decision. I don't care. It's a fucking playoff series. I, I don't like it. What did you think the actual thought process was to throw him out there? Do you think there was what? something else behind it? Was. No, I, I well, yes, but I don't get why, because Olmark has not been a sieve. It hasn't all just gone through him, right? It doesn't just all fly past him. He had a tough game against the Oilers, right? But a lot of that wasn't on him. I'm confused as to the moment to make the statement that sways our guy. I get that there's six days, I guess, before the next game. You just didn't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's been so good at home. You felt like you needed the win against a rival team, get the team going. But it's something that's the risk outweighs the reward on that one. Don't like it. I agree 100%. Everything you said, spot on. I mean, yeah, it worked out for us, which is great. But at the end of the day, I mean, another thing too is this kid's a rookie. Um, That was a huge gamble. I mean, I don't think the Bruins have gone back to back with goalies in like since at least the start of Raskin Halak. Like, I haven't seen a goalie go back to back like that. Um, I'd be surprised if even back to the Kadobin days. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. you don't see. Yeah. And the fact that he did that, I was so surprised. I was scratching my head. I was like, what is this about? Do you not have faith in Allmark? Because now you're telling Allmark you don't have faith in him. That, in my opinion, is what I would think if I were Almark. I would say, okay, do you not think I can do this? Because I'm fresh. I'm ready to go. He just played yesterday. 
And I think Allmark's been playing fine. Has he had some rough moments? Yes, but he's working the kinks out. Um, and like Thomas said, a lot of that has to do with a lot of defensive breakdowns um, that do happen. Uh, one that I can definitely say is that Ottawa game. I mean, sorry, that Toronto game where I thought he was playing fantastic and that defense really let him down. Um, with you on that. And that's gonna and that and that's gonna do something to the mind of a goaltender. And goaltenders' minds are already screwed up. Let's just go ahead and throw <laughs> that out there. I mean, goaltenders, if you if you're gonna get a puck, a, a little rubber disc shot at you constantly, there's gotta be something going on up there. But um he I don't know. I like Allmark. I I'm I'm not understanding what Bruins fans issue is with Allmark. Um he has like I said, a lot of kinks to work out. He is coming from an organization that seems to suck the absolute life out of anyone who touches it. Um, so let's give him a break. Let's allow him to get into the groove. We've seen really good things from him. Um, I, I, I just can't call it a bust or a bad signing or anything like that until give it a, give it, give it till halfway through the season. If the guy falls off a cliff. Okay. I'll start to kind of look at it differently, but give them some time. Yeah, unfortunately, that that sentiment is getting sped up for a lot of people in this fan base because of Tuca showing up at Warrior for for a little spin on the ice and all that stuff, and it starts getting people's motors going and all that. But uh, I guess my final thought about Swayman with the the back to backs, the only thing I can think of is Cassidy was trying to just send a message saying like, "This is our guy." And he's he's our new number one, so that's what we're rolling with. It just felt like doing it back to back, especially in a rivalry game, right there. Just it was just felt like the wrong time. But uh, Cassie's done a lot of stuff this year. He likes to tinker with this lineup. It seems like right now it's it's above what he normally does. Like he's defensive pairings, offensive uh, lineups, just getting shaken up and stuff. It's just it's unsettling for a fan to watch. I can't imagine what it's like for these guys who don't know where they're going to be each night. You don't like McAvoy doesn't know who the fuck's going to line up next to him each night. Mm -hmm. So McAvoy hasn't really settled into his role this year. He's playing, he's playing well, but I don't think he's like Norris candidate. Well, right now, like I want to just see the top four be the top four. I've said it multiple times in this podcast, I've said it multiple times on Twitter, like let the top four be the top four, let people get settled. Cassidy is not letting them do that right now. And it's, it's starting to get frustrating for me. I believe in this coach. I think he's an excellent coach. I don't want him going anywhere. But why is he tinkering so much? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's the same ideology when it comes behind why is he constantly putting forward with McAvoy when that's just something he really shouldn't be doing. But at the end of the day, he's where he is and we're where we are. Yep. So <laughs> who are we to say? But we, we definitely are allowed our opinions. and. It would be great if he would just leave it alone. Grizzlick, McAvoy, allow that to happen. Um, do I? Th I've been vocal about this. I know how a lot of people feel about that pairing, and they love it. This and that. I like it. I'm not going to lie, but I don't want that to 100 100% stay that. You know, I, I eventually want someone different for McAvoy. I feel like Grizzlick. 
I, I like the pair analytically. I like it, but my eye test sometimes, I don't know. I just Grizzly gets muscled off the puck a lot. And I know it's not all about size and this and that, but when it comes down to the playoffs, I would like McAvoy to have a Seidenberg or a, someone like that who can really take care of his own end and allow McAvoy to literally do his thing. Um, I think that's just where I'm at. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know, but that's just one of the thoughts I have in my mind. So you're thinking top four D at some point has to be acquired because we don't have that in Correct. the system. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. I love the McAvoy Grizz pairing. They are utilized offensively. There are moments where Cassidy runs them out. Like it ha- he has been tinkering mid game with that. He, I think he's had that conversation where I'm going to switch you guys up. Carlos struggling, Riley struggling has led to more tinkering in the, in the back end. I haven't hated every move and I actually want to give him some credit that the DeBrusque stuff for once, DeBrusque has been giving, given a handful of games with at least the same center on his dominant side. Howla and him, they were just split up recently, but they got 12 games together, pretty much. There were some highs and lows, but DeBrusque has, has been engaged. You know, uh, I know we want to have a DeBrusque conversation, so I'll, I'll leave it at that and let you guys kind of take over. But I am glad that Cassidy has at least done with the forwards. All right, there's some guys that need some stability, and I think he recognized that with DeBrusque. Yeah, I mean, this is this is probably a good opportunity to go ahead and talk about DeBrusque. Uh, up and down season, but I think the effort is there. Uh, he hasn't been a, the point producer that a lot of people are clamoring for, but I don't have a lot of complaints about him. Uh, he's, he's had some fucked up plays in the last couple games. That, that costs us quickly, but he's he's getting moved around a lot. I know Kevin has thoughts on what we should do with him, so I want to get his his insight here, but does anybody actually think that DeBrusque is is being a, a negative player for this franchise right now? No. I, think, I think the general consensus is he's playing above expectation at this point. Not necessarily expectation for his career or whatever, but coming into this season, what we thought we were going to get out of him looking at what he did last year. Dude struggled last year. He's come out fired up this year. He seems yeah. motivated, uh, but he's, he's again, somebody who's really quick to get into Bruce's doghouse. But I feel like for the most part this year, he's kept out of it, whether he's going to be a point-per-game player or not. Like it's, I don't see that happening, but I don't think he's a bad player for us right now. No, I, I agree with you. I think he's playing good. Um, I just think the only thing that is going to continuously plague this player is the disappearing act type of issue that he dealt with. You know, last season is a wash for me. I don't even look at last season as something that I determine towards anything towards his career, but his previous seasons, he was a bit of a disappearing act. He would go on these, these stretches of being that dynamite top six player that we've, you know, that obviously Sweeney thought he would be. And then he would all of a sudden out of nowhere just be disappearing, doing flybys, you know, this and that. I haven't seen much of that this year, to be honest. Um, There are spots in games where he does seem a little bit disengaged and he is doing, you know, making mistakes. But for a majority of these games, he is engaged. He is, you know, he's heavy on the forecheck, which is great to see. Um, 
he actually has had some really good back checking moments where he's broken up some plays, which is great to see. He's hungry for the puck. And that's something awesome. And that's something you really want to see out of this player. Um, and, and like you said, he doesn't need to be a point per game player. No one's well, actually, yeah, probably a hundred thousand people on Twitter and Facebook <laughs> are asking for that, but we are not. Uh, we know what he is. Um, he seems to be like a middle six guy, you know, mainly a third liner who can play top six minutes if you need him to, because he has done it and he's done it pretty good. 27 goals. I mean, no shalom off the street is going to do that in the NHL uh, in a top six role, you know, even playing whoever you're playing with, you know, that's, that's good. Um, I'd like to see. So moving forward, I just like to see him continue to engage and use that effort. Um, I, you know, that third line has been a little bit snake bitten. So just seeing them all come together and start gelling, I think you'll start to see a lot more production out of them and not just him also Halla. And if Felino makes it back down there, depending on what they do, when Smith is a whole nother conversation, but you know, whatever happens with that. But at the end of the day, I still think they should trade him regardless of what happens. Um, it's just one of those situations where if you're trying to win a cup for Bergeron, the money can be spent better elsewhere. And that includes at the deadline, you know, you can move that. I mean, I understand we have, you know, deadline cap space, but if he's playing well enough to be able to be packaged for something that is really going to help your team, um, because we can have a third line of Felino Halla and, um, you know, Lazar. Who are Lazar or yeah. Steen, you know, yeah. whoever, you know, and that is absolutely fine. Um, but if it doesn't happen and it gets to the end of the season and he needs that contract, he does have a qualifying offer. Andrew and I actually talked about this on the Beehive of 4.8 million is his qualifying offer. That's scary. Um, maybe if you didn't have Taylor Hall and Marshan in front of him, it wouldn't be as scary but you have those two players that he's not playing over. So you're looking at possibly sitting $5 million on your third, on your third line again. And you just got coil off of it. And you're not sure if he's going to continue to be off of it as he's been playing good so far, which I'm very happy with, but who knows what the future holds. So do you really want another five? And that's not to say DeBrusque would, you know, say, Oh, I have to make $5 million. We don't know that, but there is a chance that he takes it to arbitration, he wins an arb deal, and then you're either signing him to that deal or you're letting him walk for absolutely nothing. Yeah. I won't comment on the trade part because I still want to see more. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be a deadline thing. You know, It would be. It, yeah. it absolutely would be. You touched on this already, but the reset of expectations for DeBrusque is probably the hardest part of this. He is not a top six winger, and that is okay. The money he's slated to make, that's, a, that's an ongoing thing that we're going to have to deal with. But what's best for this team right now is him gaining consistency. Again, another thing you touched on, but we need it. This week was a perfect example of one shift, he costs us a goal, and the next, he does everything he can to get the puck in the offensive zone. And I just don't understand why he's choosing his spots like that. I mean, the, the goal against the Habs, that he's sitting on his ass after incidental contact, 
and he's sliding on the ice. It doesn't even look like he's trying to get up. And the puck goes off him, goes the other way, boom, goal. What the fuck was that? Mm. He's not putting effort in on random spots, and he's in his head. He's like, well, okay, it's fine. And then a goal goes in, and then his confidence shoots down. Like, that's self-inflicted. Like, you can't look at the coaching staff screaming their head off like, oh, these guys are giving me a hard time. Fuck you. Get off your ass. <laughs> I like DeBrusque. I ve- I've always liked DeBrusque. One, the, the, uh, I have a jersey in my closet for DeBrusque. My girlfriend bought it for me. It was a very sentimental piece. It's all sorts of stories behind it. But the kid has got to learn how to build his own confidence and play with consistency. He's been much better this year defensively outside of the Oilers game and moments in the Habs game. But I just need to see him lock it down. And if he wants to make a third line identity of I'm a back checking fiend, you are not scoring on me. Awesome. I'm not paying you five million, but I'm keeping you on the fucking team. Mm. That's probably not a possibility. He is the easiest piece to move at the deadline with a couple goals to his name to pick up something that we need elsewhere. Because right now, as it stands, we have guys who can play defensively in the bottom six. Yeah, he's your best piece. Absolutely. We Uh, talked a lot this offseason about his value. I do believe that since the start of the season, he has increased his value. Uh, But he does have those lost dog shifts. He's sitting on the ice like like a dog doing ass crayons, dragging his ass on the carpet. Like, what is he doing, dude? But but I do I do think he has improved his value. Uh, he's good in the locker room. It seems like a lot of the players rally behind him. But it's not all about character. It's not all about who's friends off the ice, stuff like that. Uh, ultimately, it is about to me. Bergeron's got a window. That's what we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Marshawn is going to be around for another couple of years. Pasta will be here another couple of years, hopefully. We're in, a, we're in a big transitional period right now, but it's being held up. If we can move him and get a piece that's necessary, such as possibly a top four defenseman, and I'm not saying DeBrusque is going to be all. like it's, he's, he's going to be a part of a package. There's going to Correct. have to be a hell of a lot more, but um, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that later on in the season. But... I'm not against moving him. I think I think a good amount of this fan base has kind of wrapped their heads around for really the last two years that it's definitely a strong possibility. I do agree with you, Kevin. I think that this might be the time to do it from a financial standpoint, but also just the fact that he has kind of stepped up a little bit this year. Uh, so all we can really hope for is we're in a situation in another couple months from now where he's playing so well that it's like, man, if we move him right now, we're going to get max value. But do we want to move him because he's doing so well for us? I would love to have that fucking problem. Yeah. Right. That'd be a good problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. And look down the line of the amount of players we've lost for nothing. I understand. I'm okay with losing them for nothing, though, because we were going for it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like we were missing the playoffs and, you know, we just held on to them because of bad management. It was we're using them as our rental. Yep. Right. And I'm okay with that. But if DeBrus can be packaged at the deadline to get you something that's going to really help your team when you can replace DeBrusque with, you know, someone who's just going to really work their ass off every game, that's fine. That's fine with me. Um, there's so many ways you can go about it. And 
when it goes when it comes to how much value does DeBrusque have right now compared to where he was at before the season started, you're right. It definitely has increased. I'm not sure by how much yet, but it's increased a little bit because bef- before Arizona didn't even want him. So, you know, it was rumored that Arizona declined DeBrusque coming there for Dvorak, which I'm absolutely happy that didn't happen. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I was good with that, too. Yeah. Here's the good news. DeBrusque is an RFA, meaning, so obviously that contract might be owed. But if what Thomas says happens and we get to the trade deadline and he's at 14 goals, he's at a few assists, he's looking strong, like he looks like the guy that, that we wanted, right? And you know there's a risk that maybe he doesn't turn out to be this guy. You keep him because if he continues that play through the playoffs, a guy like that in the third line means, hey, there's a real chance we win the cup. And if we don't, he's an RFA. We qualify that. We let someone else offer sheet us a boom, bada, bing, picks. Like, I just, him being an RFA is actually a good thing in this scenario because if he's bad in the trade deadline and we, can, we send him off, great. If we keep him, we still have a chance to get something for him. Yeah. That's true. I forgot about the whole RFA thing and you get picks and all that stuff. If he has if someone offer sheets, there's also a chance no one offers sheets and we're like, Oh wait, hold on. <laughs> right. But there's also the scenario where you go to our, where he brings you to arbitration wins arb. You don't like the contract. You let him walk and he becomes a UFA and you get nothing. Yes. That's still a possibility. That is still a possibility. I don't I see just, it happening, but you never know. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. And we need assets. We need, you know, whatever we can get at this point. I have, I have come to terms with this. This team is in for a long winter. Once, once our core is officially gone. Um, I need Bergeron to get another cup or else mm-hmm. I am going to cry myself to sleep for a few years. <laughs> like a grown man should. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what else do we got in the docket here? That's enough to breast. Well, I got a question real quick. Sure. So we're talking about how, you know, we are in this stage where we do want to get another one for Bergeron. We're kind of in this situation, though, where it's one foot is in the door and one foot is outside the door, meaning are you a cup? Are you going for the cup or are you trying to kind of stay the path and retool, rebuild? It, you, you've got to just get onto one side of the door. You can't be, you know, on both sides. Now, if they were to completely go towards getting Berger on that cup, what is it that you'd like to see them add at the deadline to make that a reality or give you the best chance of making that a reality? I mean, for me, it would be a top four defenseman. I think this team is very capable of scoring. The problem is I don't like scoring from behind. We can play really well on the power play. This team the last couple of years, especially Bergeron, we're, we're monsters on the power play when we want to be but we have to be able to shut it down on the other side because there's nothing worse than giving up a fucking goal 30 seconds after you take the lead oh, yeah. twice in a fucking game. <laughs> Three like, times in a week. I can't, Stop. I can't do that shit. Like it's, you, you take the wind out of the team over and over again. And don't get me wrong, watching this team last year, the amount of comebacks, like we were never out of a game and blah, blah, blah. Super exciting, but it wears you out to constantly have to be that team. So I would much rather win a 2-1 game or a one nothing game every night than have to struggle to try to win a 5-3 game or a 6-4 game, something like that. Like, lots of goals are exciting. I'm sure that's in the sales advertising space for, for ESPN and TNT and all that shit. 
It's not my concern. I want to watch a game and feel like we have that game. The closest we've gotten to it in the last couple of weeks was probably the Devils game, but I was still uneasy because it's the Devils and we're in Newark and we're going to fail at some point. You know what I mean? Like it's still going to happen to us. So I'm tired of watching these games with that pessimistic eye. I want to just shut shit down. I want that again. I want that to be our identity. Defense, defense will win a championship. And this is hockey. This is football. This is everywhere. You know what I mean? Like shut it down. You have elite goal scorers. Give them an opportunity. That's what I want to see. Absolutely. I agree, but with a funny little asterisk of this team is still really good defensively Mm -hmm. in all technicalities. We don't allow a lot. Um, It just feels like when we do allow something, it's It's massive. Stupid. It's It's just most of it's garbage. Yeah. Yeah. And it is self-inflicted every time. It's funny how we give up very few shots compared to most teams. We're top six in goals allowed, as in like the good top six of mm-hmm. goals allowed. Yes. The, this team is really good defensively. It's just every time there's a fuck up, it's forward slid eight feet the wrong way and it's an open net. It's Grizz turned over the puck with a blindside pass for no reason into the slot. Riley can't get past the first guy. It's a fast break the other way. Riley pinched from his from his blue line all the way up yeah. to their red line. Oh, that's also a Clifton thing too. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of stuff is what's crushing me right now. Do I still think it's a top four D we need? Absolutely. I think this defense is still going to form into shape to prevent those mental lapses enough that this team is going to be elite in the defensive category. If we don't make a move, we could be completely stifling with another top four. Yes. So are you leaning more towards a forward at that point? No, I I would still say a defenseman because I like our top six. I think we have what it takes in top six. I like our bottom six. Again, I think we have what it takes. I would like to see Riley not have that kind of pressure in the top four role. Absolutely agree. Yep. So he was fantastic agree. in the third line last year. That's yes. why we resigned him. Well, he did play a lot with Carlo too. He did. He, he was, did. But I, I felt like he was a different player last year, and he's being put into different roles this year. Again, this goes back to uh, Cassidy shaking shit up. Yep. Too much. Too much tinkering. But I think Riley needs to settle into a role. Um, but on the same same note, bef- uh, actually, let's let Kevin, I want you to answer your own question because I definitely feel like you have thoughts here. So what if I told you we could have both? What? What? He says? <laughs> so basically, when you look at the Anaheim Ducks, there's no reason for them to, you know, not get assets at this point. So what if you were to try to make a trade for Lindholm and Raquel? Both of them. Who are we going to give up in that deal, though? Like, that's my question, because I, I, I'm not saying you're guilty of this, but in general, us as a fan base, we overvalue some of our prospects. Oh, yeah. You're giving stuff up. I'm yeah. one of those people who understands that you have to give to get. And if we are going for it and we want Bergeron to win a cup, you got to make the moves to do it. You can't just sit back and pray and hope that what you have is going to work. I understand last season was great. Great trade deadline for um, Sweeney. Absolutely fantastic. But Hall kind of fell into your lap. I think we can all agree with that. Yeah. Um, Lazar was a great addition to that deal. Awesome. And and Riley worked out so well for us. Absolutely perfect for us last year. I, I was in love with that. We need something like that again this year. We definitely do. 
And, and the ducks are our go-to. <laughs> and the ducks are our go-to. I will say, though, before you continue, because I want to hear the rest of these thoughts, but you are hoping the ducks fall off a little bit because so far, 9-4 and uh, 3 or 2 or something like that, they're, they're kind of kicking some ass so far. I don't think it's going to last, but we need to hope that falls off a little bit uh, to make those moves. It, it, I guess it comes down to, like you said, where are they at when the trade deadline comes around? Does Lindholm or Raquel want to stay there? Um, You know, there's some (laughs) questions. (laughs) So if they, you know, if there's a chance that they can't resign them, um, you know, they're probably going to be looking to move them and they're going to be able to ask for a King's ransom for a top pairing defenseman. He is a top pairing defenseman. Um, Maybe on a few other teams, he's a second pairing guy, but on Boston, he's definitely a top pairing guy. Uh, next to McAvoy, I can and see then that. Raquel, he's 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 currently on the IR. If I he may have just came off, if I'm not mistaken, but he had four goals right before he went on. I mean, you stick him whether it's on the first, second, or third line, you're adding goal scoring. Yeah, and and, and that's in you because DeBrusque is going the other way in that deal. Well, I was going to ask because I'm not, I don't watch a lot of ducks, but Lindholm is like DeBrusque in the way of there's some inconsistencies there, right? Well, last year, well, so far this year, he's been their best from what, from what I've heard and seen. Uh, He's been absolutely fantastic. Um, He is playing a really, really good two way game. He um, he has five points, but you're not really getting him to be the big point getter. You want Grizzlick to have an opportunity to be able to do that next to Carlo. And you want McAvoy to have that opportunity to do that next to uh, Lindholm. And Lindholm is a very he's not overly physical, but he's got grit to his game and he's not going to get muscled off the puck. Mm-hmm. He's he's very strong on his skates and strong on the puck. Um, he's a good player. And I think he's going to be, if available, which I don't see any reason why he won't be, I think he definitely will be available. He's going to be the talk of the deadline, Lindholm. Absolutely. So what do you uh, what do you think the package is? Definitely DeBrusque. Mm-hmm. I think Studnik is going to have to go as well. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, a first is definitely going to be involved in that. And it's going to be for 2022. There's no way you're getting around it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're probably looking at, Another guy, it might be a Lori, or it might be a a Lyle, or it Lyle. I'm okay with Lori is lighting it up. You know, yeah, Ohio right. I know. Now. <laughs> and if you're already giving up Stud Nika, you yeah. might not have to go with a Lori. You might be able to get away with a Lyle, or maybe even. Oh, man, I, I don't want to say Lauko. I really don't. I, I want to see what he can do eventually on, on this Bruins roster. I, but you're I saying it's him. probably going to be another another decent prospect. Right. And I, I think Beach is out of the question at this point. He's had too many injuries. He, you're not really sure what you're going to get out of him. Yeah. So I don't see Beecher being anything that moves the needle for them. But it's going to be something. It's going to definitely be a first, maybe a third, a stud Nika, Debrusque, and you might be able to get away with a smaller prospect at that point. I mean, that's and then maybe that, one more. That would be really good value for two of those guys. It, it might be even more, like you're saying. But you got to remember it's, they're on expiring deals too, so they can't expect. Are they both? They both are on expiring deals. They're yes. on expiring deals, but the problem is, I think somebody else is going to be able to put together a better package. So you're going to have to throw in a Lori and stuff like that just to entice mm-hmm. them to even want to listen to it at that point. 
do I think that's a deal that we can pretend, uh, potentially pursue? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it's possible. I just don't really know what the return's going to be right. uh, coming from, from Boston because I, I do unfortunately think that a lot of teams have better packages and can also stand to let go of certain players more so than the Bruins do on, right now. Um, I agree. And it all depends on what boat you're in. If you're in the, we need to rebuild boat. Yeah. That is not going to sound good to you. Yeah. But if you're in the, we need to see Bergeron win another cup. Absolutely. Take my fucking money. Yeah. Like, We're in a really everything. weird position too, because I am in the boat of, we need to win Bergeron another cup. Yeah. I can sleep well knowing we didn't, if we did everything we could to try. Right. Even if we didn't get that cup, but we did everything we could. Yeah. But then when Bergeron moves on, and Marshy still has a couple more years. We still have Pasternak and McAvoy and Carlo. Like we still have pieces, Swayman, pieces yep. that are that are our next core. Taylor yeah. Hall's still still technically there. Yeah, Taylor Hall. Like, and then we have this weird timeline where we either start selling these guys off for major assets and doing a full rebuild, or we become what the Minnesota Wild were for 10 years and just sit at, we just sit at 15th in the league for, and get right. eliminated in the first round whenever we do make it. It's a weird, we're, we're, we're really facing down. I don't want to look right now. We're still a competitor, but mm-hmm. we're facing down the barrel of, uh, we have some weird decisions to make and it's going to hurt. It yep. is going to hurt. Yep. We might be staring a couple of years of mediocrity, like down the pipe right now. I'd rather have a couple of years of horrid, Yes. And then back to contending rather than 15 years of mediocrity. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, that's the scary thing about retooling as opposed to blowing yes, it up, you know, like right. retooling it, it never seems to really work. Like it, yeah. it puts you in a position where you can make a run, but then, then you're out before the conference finals. And it's just like, fuck, why did we do that again? Like, it feels I, like the Rangers just did a retool right after the rebuild. And I'm not sure how that's going to affect that organization. Yeah. yeah. You know, though, I would trade for Bergeron to get a cup. I would definitely trade that for like a Detroit Red Wings rebuild to see mm-hmm. Bergeron get another cup. I oh, really 100%. No, not of any question. Yeah. Six years. I'll be last in the league for six years if Bergeron got another cup. And it'd be fun to actually like, I mean, okay, it's not going to be fun to watch them lose, but God, would it be fun to see them like in the lottery? for that first round pick yeah. or that second, third, yep. you know, what, you know, moving up or whatever, that'd be really cool to see. No, no, it wouldn't. Well, for me, it would <laughs> because I love, I love, I mean, if it was 2022 and getting Shane, right. Oh my God. I'd be mm-hmm. doing cartwheels and my, or next my, year. <laughs> oh, man. my small YouTube channel. Every time we lose, I get like, 25% of my watchers don't watch the video. Yep. <laughs> if we do a full season of that, oh man. <laughs> it's not a dub. <laughs> I'm not Steve Dangle. I don't scream and shout and like you don't watch me to watch me be upset. Like I don't do better when my team loses. He made the perfect. He's he's really cultivated his uh his franchise well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before we get too far from the uh from the defensive standpoint, I want to ask you about Zaboral. Zaboral's kind of been a little bit impressive, and he's somebody that is super ass to the fire for the last two years with this fan base. But he's kind of he's kind of grinding right now, and I'm enjoying what I'm seeing out of him. How are you guys' thoughts about Zaboral being a player uh, leading into this deadline as somebody that 
I don't know, not necessarily move, but maybe somebody that we need to rely on for the third line. Uh, yeah, he is showing why his ceiling is higher than most Bruins prospects um, as far as being a top four guy. Um, I love everything that I've seen from him, especially in that uh, New Jersey game. I remember putting out a tweet right before the game started saying, please just become a top four defenseman for us today. (laughs) Today, please. He didn't do that, but he took huge strides. Um, He was very responsible in his own end. Um, He pinched and did the things he needed to do in the offensive zone at the correct times without putting anything um, in jeopardy as far as the puck going the other way. Um, he, He was just good i mean i have nothing else to say other than like i was ecstatic to see him play so well i i agree and the devil's game was his it, it was a, it was a flaw not flawless but it was flawless for zaboral and then the halves he had two plays i can think of that i was like okay all right still 24 years old i get it he belongs in the lineup right now until he plays himself out of it i think mm-hmm. andrew actually said that during that that habs game I'm really good with him making strides. I think defensemen, because they take longer if they're not elite, get so much shit being a first rounder. And poor Vakanainen, who is two years younger than Zaboral mm-hmm. and has been very unimpressive, unfortunately, yep. is getting crushed by this fan base and he's not even being seen by them. They just, I see Vakanainen's name all the time. And I'm like, leave him alone. He's 22 in the AHL where he belongs right now. Maybe he gets here. And Zaboro was going through the same thing for years. Hopefully this is him turning the corner. We have seen defensemen come into the league mid-20s and be top four guys. Yep. So far, so good. I need way more uh, time with him to really believe he's a top four guy. I think you guys agree with that. Absolutely. But he's... I don't know what you do with Mike Riley right now. Do you not Clifton out and try to shuffle a little bit? But Carlo and McAvoy have to stay on the right. Riley's a left guy. What, I don't know what you do. This is a really tough situation defensively. My lineup would be Grizzlick, McAvoy, Riley, Carlo. Let Riley get through whatever he needs to get through. Him and Carlo were fantastic last year. Just let him get through it. It'll be fine. Um, and then it would be Zaboral Fulbort because Fulbort can play the right side. And I think Fulbort belongs on the third pairing. I think we all agree with that. And yep. um, Zaboral did fantastic with um, Miller last season. I'm not saying Fulbort is Miller, but yeah, different. Yeah. They're a bit different, but I think that's the closest he's going to get with it not being Clifton. Yeah. So interesting. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it for sure. Same. That's actually what Andrew and I both had to begin the season was that exact lineup, right? Uh, that exact pairing situation. Uh, him and I talked about it at length. I think I, I had left. Clifton on the right and Forbert on the left. I think I still had Zaboral as your seventh D at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be into letting that just take, take shape let it play out for a few weeks and just stop fucking tinkering with it. Because I do think yep. Riley does complement Carlos game quite well with that speed and creativity where Carlos just kind of that tree with an eight foot fucking hockey stick in his hand. Yeah. You can just reach <laughs> and out and just poke people like Riley I, and Carlo have been bad this year. They have yeah. been, but they haven't been bad where Holy shit, the goals are coming. Like the, the pucks hitting the net. It's mm-hmm. not been that pairing that lets those go by. Yeah. They just haven't, offered anything going forward. Yeah. 
I agree. Let them work it out. Like, yeah, all in on that. So we got a couple of games coming up. Obviously, we're right in the middle of a six-day fucking lull because the people who make the Bruins schedule are trash. It's a computer Um, and it hates us. Yes. Um, (laughs) Andrew did uh, toss out his predictions and he went all the way up through Wednesday uh, against the Sabres, but I'm not going to let him off the hook because we're going to record before that Sabres game because I really just want to grill him on the Sabres again because it's it's just fucking fun for me. So let's call this weekend because, of course, after six days off, why not play back-to-back games? Uh, We are going to play in Philadelphia on Saturday. And then we are back home Sunday against the Flames for another Sunday night game. I really enjoyed Sunday night hockey. Getting to watch a pass game during the day, take a little breather, a little nap, boom, hockey at night. Hell of a pass game, too. Loved it. Hell of a pass game. What a weekend, dude. Great pass pass game and then then a rivalry game at night. Yeah, Yeah. fantastic. Loved it. So Andrew had a 3-2 overtime loss in Philadelphia. And then he had... A uh, two nothing shutty against the Flames on Sunday. He called a shutty last Sunday. Didn't get it. Didn't get it. Your dumbass called shutty two nights in a row. <laughs> but I still won Didn't the week. But I yeah, still I was, won the that's week. That's what I was getting to. Man. You still fucking won the week. I hate it. You can, so wrong, but you got the W's. It is what it is. So what do you what do you got for these games this weekend? Uh, so I have. Uh, so we already lost to the Flyers embarrassingly once. We are going to punch them in the mouth. That's a 4-1 dub. Yeah. That's two weeks in a row that you stepped on one of my scores. I also have a 4-1 <laughs> dub, and I'm not I'm not going to back off of it because no, if I don't. didn't back off of it, I would have had another win with you the mm-hmm. other day. So You sure would have. You knocked me off that pedal, so I ain't letting you do that shit anymore. So. You're too nice. You should have been like, no, fuck you. You change your score. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then what do you got for the Flames at Bruins? Well, I want to get Kevin's take on this, uh, this Flyers game. Uh, um, I have them uh, two one loss. Okay. 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 Uh, Flames. I have a loss. It's a back to back against a really good team. I think it's going to be three one loss. So you're going one one. I'm I'm going to go two Ws. Ooh. I I agree with you with the four one punch in the mouth of the Flyers. I think the Flyers Flyers are a decent team. They are kind of where we thought they were going to be this year. Um, but I do think that they're beatable. Uh, they're hard, harder to beat on the road, but I do think, uh, coming off six days, I'm, I'm looking for a big game out of like a player like DeBrusque stepping up and whatnot. Now that we called him out, uh, Carlo, uh, I, I called, the the Howla goal and we got one. So let's go, let's go with a no sick goal. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that. And then I think we beat the flames. I think that one's going to be close. I think that's going to be like a, a three, two game. And, uh, it will be interesting to see if we get uh, Vladar in that game. The Bruins fan base, uh, just in the last couple of days, fell in love with him all over again. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he should have been the guy who stayed. <laughs> it's just, oh, my God. This it's magical being up. a Bruins fan, isn't it? It's it is. magical covering this team. I don't get it. Like, he's... So, first of all, he's a career backup. I'm telling you that right now. Mm-hmm. I told you that when he was traded. I think all of you agree. Yeah, I love the kid. He's yep. got a great name, first of all. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. awesome. He's a decent backup. His his stats this year aren't even very good. Like, I, I just, I don't know what people are seeing. He's, I don't know. He, he had a good shutty. game. 
Yeah, he had a yeah, shutout. And, that was a, and they and they hate Allmark. Yeah, he has two good games. He has a nine four six and a shutout. So good, yeah. good for him. And he, he also has an eight eighty and a nine hundred. Yeah. And he doesn't make five. Yeah, he doesn't make five. Yeah. That's another. Could thing. you imagine if we went into the season with just Swayman and Vladar? Oh, I, I, I've rooted against that forever. Like that's nothing mm-hmm. I ever wanted any part of. I people thought we were going to get tearing, a cheap veteran. Yeah, uh, people would have been tearing Sweeney down in yes. the offseason, like towards the end. I also thought we were going to go for a cheap veteran, pay somebody two and a half, three. And then we went for somebody else. We went for somebody who could potentially be a long-term replacement yep. uh, who just needs to settle into his role. I don't think he's played bad. We've already talked about this, but I think people need to give him a little bit more fucking break. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still love that signing. I love yeah, it. Absolutely. I do too. I do too. And I think it, it'll pay dividends in the long run. Right now, I think the defense is is not helping that signing look very great right now but yeah it is what it is man this is this is the bruins fandom right here where it's just i don't think anybody hates the bruins fan base as much as actual bruins fans oh absolutely so i agree and now is that three two dub in regulation or overtime i'm gonna go i'll, I'll go regulation since no. i apparently no wait who did uh yeah he had a two oh he had a two oh shutty so me and him both have the uh, the bruins winning that game I, so, I should probably clarify that my Bruins Flyers is a two one in overtime. Then mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, yep. Yeah. All right. We got anything right. else? Uh, wait, Kevin. You need your your Flames. Oh, flames, yeah. right? Oh, uh, flames. I have a five to two win for the Bruins. Wow. Yep. I have them bouncing back after a tough Flyers game and um, just absolutely bringing it to the Flames. Absolutely. I'm gonna get so drunk if that happens on Sunday. <laughs> oh, you do a shot per goal too. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> what I choose, like once a week, I'll do a game. If I know I'm not recording that night, I'll do like a shot per goal just for funsies. <laughs> and those are the games that go like five to two or something. And I'm like, oh wait, no, yeah. I I made a mistake. Last year, me and my buddy did it for. I want to say it was a Sharks game, and it finished like seven to four. It was a it was a regretful decision. It's fine. It was fine. <laughs> Straight up, all yeah. honesty. After that Patriots win, we switched to wine. So I was drinking fucking wine watching that Canadians game. Nice. I was classy. I fucking put on a sports coat. Nah, I didn't. But might as well. You woke up with a headache, didn't you? Uh, no, I actually <laughs> felt pretty good Monday. And then I went to work, you. and then I was just sad again. But that's okay. No, well, that's okay. Kevin, thank you so much for uh, for pinch hitting today. Oh, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been no, a blast. Absolutely. You guys are fantastic. A lot of fun to talk with. Now we appreciate You're fantastic. you fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> I feel like people who listen to this are going to like, they only bring people on that like their show. They don't bring anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone says such nice stuff. We hey, man, someone on who's the shit on I tried to get people, people on who don't like this show. They just don't fucking answer my messages. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> that actually Kevin, probably makes sense. Kevin, you know before I let you go, I'm doing the uh, short 60 to you, right? Um, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Just, he's like, all right. He's like, I I, he, he prepared. You know how it works. I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. They're not trivia or anything like that. Lighthearted. Just keep your answers kind of short, and we'll fly right through this. You ready? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. All right, brother. Let me actually pull up the fucking clock here. Though. I didn't have it in front of me. 
He's googling it in front of us. Normally, I get to do it on the side. You, I normally don't share the screen, but what is this? A six second countdown. Oh, six six <laughs> seconds. You have six seconds. Oh Andrew, shit! I can't answer do four that. questions. <laughs> By the way, Ian, there are is. you wearing the mustard? Um, mustard oh cap, baby. Yeah. yeah, my boys in Nashville. I gotta represent. I love it. I love oh, it. Oh man. Gotta respect. <laughs> All right, 60 seconds on the clock. You ready? I'm ready. Pick a non-NHLer to come in and be an active participant in ownership of the Boston Bruins. William Defoe. Okay. Give me a reason why. I have no idea. I just <laughs> think he's crazy. <laughs> That's a good answer. Uh, you can fly anywhere in the country or Canada and see the Bruins in a road game. Where are you going and why? Montreal, because it's obvious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cam Neely has not acted in his or since his Oscar-worthy role as Seabass in Dumb and Dumber. What 90s action movie would you love to interject him in? <laughs> Die Hard, because what the hell? Yeah, dude, uh, it'd be so fucking good. <laughs> good one. <laughs> He'd just be throwing water bottles at Jeremy. That's all he would be doing. <laughs> Bruins fold. They're done. Pick another team and fan base you're willing to join. Seattle Kraken, because they're brand new. And why yeah. not? I'll let that happen. If you said Vegas, I would have probably just smashed the disconnect. Mm. Oh, no, you right down there. Imagine if he said Carolina. You would have had a literal heart attack <laughs> on the part I should have. I should Part have. of me thought he was going to say Carolina just to fucking spite me. I'm just <laughs> waiting for somebody to say it. Do you Honestly, know how often I bring up Carolina in these pods just to piss off Tom? Just to trigger me, dude. So I hate fun. it. You well, know I live what? down here. <laughs> yep. I will say this. I saw, uh, I, I don't know if it was Bleacher Report or, or who uh, did it the other day, but they posted four logos of old teams the seals the whalers uh had the nordiques on there and the uh thrashers and it was pick one of these teams to put bring back everybody would just assume i would say the whalers no Who is you it? just you can't put a you just you can't have a team in hartford anymore you just can't like it doesn't work it doesn't work for the massachusetts market it doesn't work for the new york market both of those markets will absolutely squash it because television contracts rule fucking everything whereas they didn't 20, 30 years ago. Uh, the Nordiques need to be a team again. Quebec needs a team. Yeah. The California Golden Seals, baby. Let's yeah, because we need another we need another West Coast team wait, with wait, stupid, on. stupid fan base interactions and lasers on the ice. That's what we <laughs> fucking need good. in the Hold NHL. On. Ian's oh, getting no. one of his three thousand jerseys out for I us. Can't it might be a while. Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> dude, thank you so much for joining us, man. Everybody, anybody who doesn't listen to it, you have to check out the BHAG podcast. That That is one of the best podcasts on the network. Uh, they've done great things. Honestly, since your addition to that, that podcast, it's completely gone over all expectations. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, you and uh, Brett do a great job with it. So I look forward to listening to that every week. Uh, and obviously, I appreciate you listening to this. And uh, ultimately, we are teammates. Even though we're like sort of in competition for ratings, I think we all draw from the same ground. But <laughs> I think that's love, important, man. man. It's it, exactly. It's got to all be love. Uh, it could be worse. You could be Boosie from uh, Dump and Change, who's <laughs> probably my biggest rival. I love the kid to pieces, but man, me and him. I actually invited him onto this podcast, and he wasn't able to do it. But yeah. we've been we've been looking for an opportunity to fucking talk shitty to each other in a in a podcast oh, or, or live broadcast setting so no i appreciate that um yeah we um we're still a very new podcast we're working it out trying to get you know new things involved um better editing 
um, you know, all that stuff. And we actually just brought on a third co-host. Um, it is a buddy of mine from high school. We had him come on, gelled perfectly. Nice. He was on the last podcast episode. His name is Justin Chandler. So he'll be joining us as our uh, third guy. So yeah, looking official, forward to that. Officially the third officially. guy. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Th- that's the first time this broke right here, actually. We haven't even put go. that out on Twitter. So. Oh, yeah. shit. I want you to tread lightly, though, because this podcast brought on a third guy, and we're still not sure if it's working out. So. It's, it's honestly <laughs> really, really bad. It's uh... <laughs> Oh, yeah. He's just, he never shuts up. He's in the way all the time. He's constantly <laughs> sending an email. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Later, boys. Later. Peace. This is how I feel every time. He's like, all right, here we go. And I panic and I can't think of I, I literally was like a drum again. The second I put 60 seconds on the clock, Ian's butthole puckers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even if I'm not the one doing it, I'm scared